have dared to explore. Two men set out on an epic journey to answer life's manliest questions. From the Fortress of Smoothitude in Lawrence, Kansas, it's The Gentleman Podcast with Glenn Stansberry and Brian McKinney. Welcome to the Gentleman Podcast. I'm Brian McKinney. I'm sitting to the left of the freaky deaky Glenn Stansberry. <laughs> this should be good. Well, I, Glenn, I'm just, you know, oftentimes the day before we do the podcast, I sit down and try to think about a way to describe you. you know? Yeah, okay. And uh, wow. that's that's what jumped into my mind. Freaky deaky. <laughs> like the Dutch. <laughs> I don't, it just sounds funny. It does sound funny. It just sounds funny. I've been called worse. I know you have. I've called you worse. Yeah, Brian, you've called me worse. (laughs) You have called Uh, me worse. Anyway, Glenn, but you know what's not freaky or deaky? (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't. (laughs) It's a little site called gentleman.com. Gentleman.com ain't going to freak you out. It's not going to deke you out. It's uh, going to enlighten you. It's going to... Mm. I'm trying to think of... It's going to freak you out with how Mystified. it's gonna get freaky deaky with you <laughs> well, <yeah>. uh <laughs> freaky deaky with your mind <laughs> with your mind it's 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 a lovely little site where you can go and uh you can read things you can learn things you can laugh at things you can cry at things mm. you can have the whole range of human emotions on one site and the best part is glenn it's totally free mm. you don't charge a red cent for uh, admission to this wonderful land of freaky deakiness <laughs> and <laughs> don't be afraid it's not really freaky <laughs> it's very it's very g-rated uh, you know this freaky deaky is this podcast brian <laughs> oh it's kind of in that way uh i have one more reference to that term it comes later but I, i'll Ooh. get to that in a second okay. but um anyway glenn let's move on and uh <laughs> So once you've uh, once you've visited podcast.gentleman or once you visited gentleman.com, once you've enjoyed gentleman.com to its fullest, uh, you can take that step further by going to podcast.gentleman.com where you can listen to 132 previous episodes of the Gentleman Podcast in succession, one after another. Just take a whole week of your life, take ten days, take two weeks, and listen to the Gentleman Podcast every hour of your life for mm. that two weeks, mm-hmm. and then see what happens. My guess is you're probably going to have questions for us. Mm-hmm. Me and Glenn. Right. You're probably going to be freaky deaky. Very upset with us. And if that's the case, that's totally cool. Mm. We have set up a particular way for you to get in touch with us, and that is through the gentleman mailbag. Yeah. P.O. Box 442305, Lawrence, Kansas. We will get your letter, 66044. We will get your letter. We will talk about your letter on the gentleman podcast. We will put it up on the Hall slash Wall of Fame, which we know is the Hall of Fame. We will probably send you a little bit of something back, depending on uh, depending on what you send over to us. You know, we've had a lot, we've got a lot of weird stuff. Mm. And so we have to respond in kind. Shrunken heads. Yeah. Uh, Confederate money. (laughs) We run the gamut, really. Some things we can't even identify. (laughs) Is that a shark hair? Yeah, who's (laughs) doing. Whose hair is this? uh, Anyway, yeah, rabbit's foot? Rabbit's foot. No hair? Rabbit with no foot? (laughs) Uh, Anyway, Glenn. So, we, yeah, we'll send you something back in return. And if you can't get in touch with us uh, with a letter or otherwise, you could also do the backup, which is uh, an email at howdyatgentleman.com. You could also visit us at one of the many social networks, although don't use Facebook because they are selling your data. Evil. Yeah. So stick to hotornot.com. 
Yep. Rate is hot. And mm-hmm. uh, we will, we'll get... We'll, <laughs> Get, we'll get back to you. We'll get back to you in whatever swipey way that you're supposed to. <laughs> um, anyway, Glenn, that's uh, swipe. Uh, that's, <laughs> I'm sensing a new app idea Ooh, coming from this, but uh, I like it, Brian. Anyway, mm. we'll have to talk about that after after the show. We don't want anybody mm-hmm. homing in on our ideas. Uh, okay, Glenn. Well, that means it's time for the media episode, which is the drink of the week this week. And Glenn, I was just about, I was all set to walk out the door. Mm-hmm of the liquor store tonight with a beer that would have been fine to talk about. It would have been okay. It would have been... It would have made for okay fodder. But at the very last second, I stopped and I thought about it. I thought about my life. And I saw this red can pointing out at me, sticking out at me. Mm. Putting out the vibe? Putting out the vibe. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is from the Santa Fe Brewing Company. And mm. this is a this is a craft brewery I like quite a bit. I, I like their stuff. I've been ple- pleasantly surprised in the past with their stuff. And this is called the Luskarten. Mm. The Luskarten. Now listen to, this, listen to this description. When grain and yeast love each other very much, a beer is born. Mm. When you add some raspberries, things get a little freaky deaky. You end up with this. Lust <laughs> Garten is a dark lager that has toast and chocolate notes with just a subtle hint of raspberry. The perfect beer to split with someone special. Mm. Or the perfect beer to split with absolutely no one since it's just a 12-ounce can and <laughs> it will only be around for a limited time. Uh, but anyway, I, I thought it was interesting. <clears throat> I thought it was interesting. It's 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 kind of off the wall, something a little different. I mm. thought it would make for more interesting discussion. Uh, when you're trying to discuss a beer on a podcast, you, you have to reach for all you can get. That's right. And typically the fruity beers, uh, well, we always have something says, to talk about. It says slight raspberry, a subtle hint of raspberry. So I'm hoping it's not <laughs> over there. Hey, I've been surprised before. Now, this is a dark lager. It is 5.7 uh, alcohol by volume mm-hmm. and uh, 15 IBUs. So low on the IBU count. Should be smooth. Um, and then the price is $8.99. All right. It's about average. So not to... Uh, so do we shake these or like rub them together or how does this work, Brian? With the I don't know. Garden? I think they're just supposed to. I think they're just supposed to do their own thing. It's kind of freaky deaky. <laughs> Cheers, Cheers, buddy. Mm. Mm, I can smell the raspberries. <sighs> Subtle. Subtle. <laughs> this is like a Whoa. raspberry. There's a chocolate. Jeez. Whoa. This is not subtle. No, uh, but I will say I kind of like it, Brian. I kind of like I can have one of these. It's not terrible. <laughs> no, it's just not what you expect. I thought subtle would be like you could barely taste it. I gotta say I know why they call it this. This is this what? It, how, why is that? Lusty. Lusty. Yeah, I'm feeling uh, I'm feeling good right now, Brian. Well, I, I'm shocked. Mm-hmm. I'm shocked by this. I was not expecting it to be so. Uh, Raspberry. I kind of like it. It's not bad. I, I, I kind of like it. We'll see if I can get through the whole can. Yeah. yeah. I kind of I kind of like this. It's not terrible. It's not terrible. Would I buy it again? I don't think so. I don't I don't think so. But it's in that front would of be me. A mistake. And you know, <clears throat> I'm feeling a bit saucy tonight. That's so. right. Uh, okay, Glenn. Well, if you mm. uh, you've had to put a rating on the uh, Lust Garten. Uh, what would you? I, I'm assuming this is like a Valentine's Day thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're really going for the, uh, the old hey February crowd I, there. I, I'm, I'm, I, 
A for effort. Yeah. So I, here's the thing, Brad. This is smooth. It is good. It's not too sweet. I can it's I taste the raspberry? Yeah. yeah, but can I taste the chocolate? Yeah, but it's not repellent. No, it's not. It's just very specific tasting. I kinda, I kind of like it. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go eight point one. Oh wow! I'm, I'm gonna surprised. go eight point one. I'm pretty surprised by that. I was gonna go seven point eight. Okay. You know, I think it's pretty good for like the style of beer it is. Yeah. Uh, I just it's quality. I don't know. It's just I don't. It's the raspberry. The raspberry is a little bit much for me. Mm. Um, Look, is it a high life? No. You're no, not gonna get the champagne like, of beers. Yeah. Can't always can't always hit them out of the park though. But this is like the Moscato of beers. <laughs> yeah. That it's the dessert. It's the dessert wine of beers right here. Yeah. Okay, Glenn. Well, uh, great. The great news is though, it doesn't matter what we think, Glenn. Uh, even though you said eight point one. I'm feeling it. You said eight point one. I, right? I did say eight point one. Okay. And yeah, I said it. Uh, so it doesn't matter what we think, though. Mm. I was just wanting to clarify for my own notes what you said. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, because the only thing that matters here is what the NTS computer, the mustache twist scale computer, thinks about this beer. We have created uh, the only proprietary machine learning, algorithm-based AI, blockchain uh, computer. Facebook filled data. With yeah, we, we so we harvested data from Facebook yep. from 50 million users. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we crunched it to the their computer and all their friends. <laughs> and all their friends. And uh, we made it self-aware. Mm-hmm. And we store all the data in blockchain. Mm-hmm. You know? But we sell ads based on the uh, preferences of the user's data yeah, that we stole. Exactly. And uh, you can buy our cryptocurrency. <laughs> so anyway, Glenn, the, the mustache scale computer, we don't want to get too far into this technology side of things because we don't want people to uh, get any ideas about stealing our proprietary designs. Right. right. Um, and you know, <clears throat> Facebook's always listening. So mm-hmm. uh, anyway, Glenn, let's, uh, but what we have to do though, is to run through some stats about the, um, about this particular beer. Okay. And uh, then we will let the mustache with scale computer crunch some numbers for a second. And then I will grab a printout and we will know what the MTS computer thinks of this uh, Lustgarten ale from Santa Fe Brewing Company. So we started out by saying, just type some of these facts in here. <laughs> Start out by saying the price was eight ninety nine. It is a deep brown, freaky deaky lager. Uh, it's got five point seven percent alcohol by volume and fifteen IBUs. Mm. So those are the stats for uh, the Lust Garden. So now we just gotta wait a second and let the MTS computer work its magic and uh, check that blockchain, and then we should have a empirical infallible. Mustache twist scientific scale score for the Lust Garden. Mm. It's a good beer, Brian. I think it's good. I think it's a solid be beer. It's a good yeah. springtime beer too. I mean, spring. Yeah. Springtime. Okay, Glenn. I can tell that the uh, MPS computer is finishing up. Mm. I will go get the print off. I will be back momentarily. Just gotta pick it up over here. Got it. This. Okay. Oh, oh. Later. Okay, I got we it. should really make it more accessible. Oh. Well, you know, you got to climb over all this stuff to get to the back of it. Mm-hmm. I didn't really build it for uh, user interface accessibility. Well, I, I, I gathered. I have no idea how to run this thing. Yeah, much well, less start it. The hamsters in the back are uh, right. running overtime right now. But anyway, Glenn. So uh, the MTS computer. I got this report here. It. Uh, I'm just flip to the right page. And we should know for a fact that, in fact, the Lust Garden Ale is a 7.95 on the MTS 
uh, scale. Couldn't quite crack the eight. So couldn't make it to the eight, but pretty close. That's a very respectable score for a raspberry ale. That, for, for us, you bet. Raspberry chocolate, no less. Mm-hmm. We have tried chocolate porters. We have tried all sorts of fruited beers. And I don't think any of them have ranked that highly. No. we It'd be hard we, to tell yeah. off the top of my head, but I, I find it hard to believe. Um, so anyway, a very good job, uh, Santa Fe Brewing Company. Um, well done. You impressed the mustache with scale computer, which mm-hmm. is hard to do. I've had other good beers from them. Yeah. They're, they're good yeah. brewery. They've got a good uh, pale ale, I think, that mm-hmm. I've had before. Uh, anyway, Glenn. All right. Well, let's move on to some interesting posts from gentleman.com in the last two weeks or so, uh, beginning with uh, an update. <laughs> <laughs> the we, saga. The saga continues. Um Many many weeks ago, I think it might have been multiple po- uh, gentlemen podcasts. It's been at least two podcasts. We, yeah. we talked about this guy. Uh, our good friend Do Tattoo has gotten us an update on somebody that we've talked about many times on this show. It's a uh, it's a self self taught rocket scientist, and his <laughs> name is Mad Mike Hughes. And Mad Mike Hughes, we talked about him last time because he was well. Let me back up. Mad Mike is a flat earther. And he wants to blast himself into the sky in a homemade rocket that he built himself, even though he doesn't have any rocket. Like, he didn't go to college to become a uh, rocket engineer or anything no. like that, a rocket scientist. He, no. he basically just started. <laughs> in fact, I believe that the ramp that he was using to launch the, the rocket into the air was built out of a mobile home that he reappropriated to uh yeah it's yeah so anyway, the point is mad mike was had this plan to do this and he crowdfunded it yep the this whole like he wanted to rocket himself into the in the atmosphere i think this guy just likes to likes to fly uh <laughs> in homemade stuff or whatever I don't, I don't exactly know what this guy's motivation is but the point is um this has been delayed this was crowdfunded so people paid money thinking that he would make this thing happen and it kept getting delayed, kept getting delayed. And last time we checked in on this, it was delayed again. Yes. And I think I said something to the effect of, I hope this guy doesn't, or maybe I commented on it. And I said, I hope this guy doesn't do this. Not because I don't want his dreams to come true, <laughs> but I don't want him to die. <laughs> it's not worth dying it's... over. Um, no. But the good news is, he. it looked like it wasn't going to happen. This was like the sixth delay. And uh, it looked like it wasn't going to happen. And... Uh, and, but it did. It did happen. It did. Uh, it happened. And the good news is, Mad Mike, although uh, he did sustain minor damage or minor injuries from uh, from the fall, mm-hmm. he, he he launched himself up in the rocket and then he hit a parachute once he hit a certain height. And then he was coming down too fast, so he had to hit a second parachute off. And then he hit the ground with a thud. And it turns <laughs> out he had some minor injuries and stuff like that. But he's going to be okay. And now he wants to do it again. I love the quote in the article where he says, uh, this thing will try to kill you 10 different ways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, he made it through. He um, did. So he had some help with this. He had a couple, like, some guy let him blast the rocket off of his own property because the government said he couldn't do that in public areas. <laughs> Which um, seems like a good idea. Yeah. Shouldn't shouldn't be having that. So he had some help, some accomplices, if you will. Um but anyway, the good news is Mad Mike got it done. He's going to continue on some pursuits like this, so that we might have another update on this guy in uh, not before too long here. So, um, Brian, yeah. I have two things to say about this. Mm-hmm. One, uh, for those interested, Do Tattoo posted our first, our initial update on the rocket on this oh, flat, really? flat Earther. Okay, that doesn't. Uh, rocket debacle. Uh, right. Excuse me, rocket uh, success. Um, 
And so he he's he's kept us updated. So we really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the second thing is that there's there's a quote that Mad Mike has in the article, and it says, "You know, my story is really incredible. It's got a bunch of storylines. Mm-hmm. The garage built thing. I'm an older guy. It's out in the middle of nowhere. Plus the flat Earth. <laughs> the problem is it brings out all the nuts. Also, people questioning everything. It's it's the downside of all this, really." <laughs> So I like how I like how he's saying that. He's got an interesting take on his own. Yeah, everyone else is the nut. Everyone else is a nut job. Not the guy yeah. building a rocket out of God knows what and launching it from a mobile home in the desert. Well, yeah, it's true. To see if the to, mind you, to see if the world is flat, which there was no update. Well, that's the that's the confusing part about this whole story is that. I think last time, if I remember correctly, he latched onto the flat Earth thing because he needed funding. He needed funding, <laughs> and so he said something about how he was going to be able to see that the Earth was yeah. flat from there, yeah. which makes zero sense at yeah. all. Well, that's all a big conspiracy. I mean, did he whip out his iPhone and start clicking? <laughs> you know, recent- I think he's too busy trying not to die <laughs> to, to figure out the flat Earth thing. <laughs> oh crap! I knew yeah. I forgot something. <laughs> I forgot to look and see if the Earth was flat. You said there was film in the camera. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, well, uh, Mad Mike, uh, <clears throat> I hope you make it to your next mission. I will say, that guy's crazy. Yep. And a little bit off. Mm-hmm. But I appreciate the fact that there are people like this in our world. It takes all kinds. It does. Different strokes for different folks. Not everybody can be self-adjusted and, I mean, well-adjusted and self-aware, but <clears throat> mm. like myself. Um, totally. Everybody else is a nut job, right, Glenn? That's right. Well, speaking of some nuts, we're going to talk about some cookies. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there was a post by myself to gentlemen from the New York Times. And it's it's an obituary. Um, it's an older obituary. And the New York Times is trying to highlight older obituaries, just, you know, notable ones. And this one is of Ruth Wakefield, who invented the Toll House chocolate chip cookie. And oh, sorry, Brian. You... Oh, I was just going to say, uh, yeah, this is an interesting project because, in in hindsight, in history, sometimes things look different looking back. That's right. You know, seventy years ago looks a little bit, a little bit different now when you, when yeah. you do an obituary. You know, for something like this, especially. So anyway, well, I think I would say that. I also think it, it, it whether you reported this seventy years ago or not, I would still love this woman and think she should be sainted. Yep. Um, but so. Ruth Wakefield, she made the chocolate cookie in the 1930s. Chocolate chip cookie. Excuse me. You're right. You're right. Chocolate chip cookie. And the legend goes that she was trying to... She had... So she and her husband ran this inn, the Toll House Inn. I don't know if you've heard of Toll House, Brian. Um, Seems like an obscure... Yeah, it's some inn out in the northeast. But anyway... um, So she was a known... You know, she was pretty famous for for her food... Especially her desserts. And she was making a... Um, she was on vacation in, in Egypt, and she was dreaming up these cookie recipes, and she had one. As you would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we all go to we Egypt. We all go to Egypt and talk about cookies. The, the She had the uh, butter drop dew pecan ice cookie uh, cookie. And I don't... Icebox cookie. And I don't understand the dew part of the butter drop dew, but I'm glad she iterated on it because it's basically a thin butterscotch nut cookie with ice cream, which sounds delicious. Yeah, but. it's pretty good. Uh, she's like, but I need, I, I needed something more. I needed mm-hmm. that extra little thing, and so you can't rest on your laurels when you're uh, laurels when you're uh, making cookies. Not at the Toll House, not the Toll House Inn. So uh, 
So, Ruth, um, she decides she's going to add some baking chocolate to these cookies to kind of give them a little, little something extra. But, as fortune would have it, she was out of the baking chocolate, you know, the unsweetened, powdery baking chocolate. Mm-hmm. And all she had lying around was these semi-sweet bars of chocolate. And she's like, well, whatever. She takes an ice pick, starts stabbing it, and just throws it into the, the dough. And pulls it out later, and she's like, huh, they didn't melt all the way. But they had melted all the way. Anyway. So, anyway, so she ate one, and the heavens parted. I was going to say, you know that scene in 2001, A Space Odyssey? <laughs> when that music's playing. It's like all of a sudden, they, they figure out tools for the first time? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even imagine taking a first bite of a chocolate chip cookie must have been like for the person that invented it. That's right. Well... And the rest is history. Um, Nestle ended up buying the recipe, and I think the Toll House Inn. Now the Toll House Inn was operated separately. You're she right. licensed the name to there. That's the, licensed yeah. the name to to use. Uh, the Toll House Inn ended up closing, unfortunately. Um, but she released, I think, a recipe book, mm-hmm. and she invented the chocolate chip cookie. That's all you need. <laughs> that's, uh, uh, that's it. I. I <clears throat> I, I don't understand stuff like this because once you invent the chocolate chip cookie, you should be like, okay, that's good. I'm done. I'm just going to kick back now because mm-hmm. I've, I, you know, I've done it. So the interesting thing about the Nestle chocolate chips, Brian, is that basically the exact same recipe on the bag of chocolate chips mm-hmm. is her recipe mm-hmm. with some minor modifications due to modern, oh, modern availability yeah, of things. So you can have good. like pre-sifted flour and things like that. Hmm. So anyway, so it's still very close to the original recipe. That's right. Um, well, it, what a hero. Really, really cool. It's weird to say, but really cool obituary um, that they've highlighted. And there's more to the story. Yep. Talks about uh, she sold, uh, she allegedly sold the rights to print her recipe on the bags of chocolate chips for a dollar. Um, in hindsight, <laughs> that might have been a bad situation. <clears throat> Look, she was a, she was a baker. She wasn't a yeah. Uh, she wasn't in it for the money. Wasn't known for her business savvy, but. That's all right. She made a name for herself, and what a wonderful story. Yep. Uh, we, owe, we, we, we are in so much debt to her. We every, are indebted. Every child in America, and every grown-up for that matter. Yeah. So Ruth Wakefield, true American hero, inventor of the chocolate chip cookie. Mm. We could have easily toasted her. Could have. Yeah, it was close. Mm-hmm. We, we talked about it. Um, okay, Glenn. Well, that's, uh, that leaves this final post. Thank you for posting that, gentlemen.com. Oh, anytime, Ren. Uh, that leaves a final attack uh, from our good buddy, uh, our legendary contributor, Zamus. <laughs> and uh, this is called An Employee Whose Job It Was to Be Sacked. <laughs> and this is. I don't understand. The, the, it says a dash, the vision of the pin, pension playpen. That's the name of the website. Oh, that's the, web, the name of the website. The website is titled The Vision of the Pension Playpen. I don't care what I don't care what the it, it could website's be, called. Yeah. It doesn't matter. This could be fake story. news. This is a great story. Um This is called an employee whose job it was to be sacked. Uh and according to okay, there's so there's this department store, Harrods, right? Yep. This big, big time big time department store. Back in the day. Um, back in the day when, you know, department stores were in their heyday. Uh, the, the, the problem they had was, you know, customers coming in and complaining about something. Maybe something goes wrong with something they bought. Mm-hmm. You know how customers are. They get pissed, start yelling at people, yep. causes it a scene. Demanding things. Demanding things and all this stuff. Well, this, this company figured out an ingenious solution to this problem. 
They paid a man to sit. I'm going to quote some of this and some of it I'm just going to paraphrase. But they paid an employee to sit among the boxes on the top floor of the building, basically in a warehouse-ish kind of part of the store. No one else went to. And he sat in the top floor area and he smoked his pipe and he read Sporting Life. He read magazines. He just kind of hung out. And uh, so from time to time, a bell would ring and he would be summoned to a department where an irate customer was being mollified. I don't know what that means. By the head of the department. Um, consoled? Cons- yeah, being consoled probably. Uh, anyway, so the point is, so this customer would be yelling at the head of this department. Uh, the department head hmm. would greet this guy and say, this customer is a extremely valued customer. And because of your mistake, you failed to check the quality of the merchandise before it left the store. You're fired. <laughs> Guy would kind of sulk out of there, and you know, a lot the customer would beg him, please, please don't. It's it's okay, don't fire (laughs) the guy. Uh, And the the guy would leave, and he would sneak back up to the the upstairs office and wait for the next time that somebody needed to be fired. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a pretty good job, though. Oh my gosh, I would. I I think that's there could be a career for for me in this. You know, Um, the only thing that would be a downside to this is that I would want to. I would really want to get into the acting role of you know i'd like want to drop to my knees and be like please but my kids my kids yeah. i mortgage yeah <laughs> this is little this timmy. is my life little timmy this it life. was just a cup of like a teacup was, <laughs> uh so i would really want to get into it and um you know <laughs> there's a lot of opportunity ways. there's a there's a lot of scenarios you could go down with that mm-hmm. um you could like fight the boss right you could throw, you know, throw stuff. You can't fire me. I quit. Yeah, <laughs> make a big scene out of it. But anyway, I, so this this is a great story. I read that today, and it really made me laugh because it's, it's such a, you know, you always wondered about stuff like that. Yes, and, and the way the, the the article's written too is really really well done. Um, not not saying anything. It's the way you narrated yep. it, Brian. It's you true. Did, you I did a wonderful yeah. job as well. Yeah, but reading it is a is a delight. Um, That's true. Yeah, you should read it. It's it's very good. Um, it allows you to paint a, a wonderful picture of mm-hmm. this guy just you know lounging around, smoking a pipe, and man, what a great what a great job! It would be a great job. I uh, yeah, and so I the the great part about this too is like everybody wins. Yes, the customer feels like the the company like well, I'll shop in there forever. You know, yeah, <laughs> they really listen to me. The the guy that's getting yelled at. The guy's getting yelled at has a scapegoat, so he doesn't get yelled at anymore. Right. And then the other guy is totally in on it, so he's not. He's just that's just his job to get fired. Walks back yeah, he just walks upstairs again. No harm, no foul. So everybody wins. Right. Everybody wins. I'm trying to imagine a scenario where you walk into Harrods and you're like, you know what? This picture frame. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm pretty unhappy with this. What, what would you do if the guy? He's like, all right, well, I'll bring him downstairs. I'll bring a head of uh, quality. I don't think I've ever really gotten mad at a mistake. But when they fired him. I have gotten heated discussions with people about stuff. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. And if they, yeah, it would be a shock if somebody got fired. <laughs> I expect a debate. I expect a, a back and forth. I don't expect a, okay, we're going to fire him. Right. You know, so, so that, that would be unexpected. And I probably would be like, no, you don't have to, you don't have to fire the guy. Like, don't. This is like the best example of customer service I've ever seen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Until they find out that, you know, it's all a ruse, but... You have to come back the next week and complain about something? I, already, I thought they already fired you. <laughs> no, they did. I got I got rehired different apartment. 
Turns out I suck. I <laughs> my uncle's the yeah nepotism yeah um, so anyway Glenn well yeah stop on over to podcast.gentleman.com we'll, we'll uh, link up to this and you can read the story yourself it's a little short read but it's pretty fun to read it and I got a good chuckle out of it when I read this story thank you so much. who cares if it's true or mm. not who cares these stories I don't care I, I, I just blissfully believe that that's very true and I uh, hope that it is okay Glenn well that means it's time for uh, the toast this week mm. and uh, this week Glenn uh, I was gonna go one week toast, and I went to, and then I did a little head fake and cool. drove the lane on this oh. one. Uh, <laughs> so uh, you drew the foul. Yeah, I, I got uh, yeah, I got uh, some major contact under the rim mm-hmm. and one. Uh, but I made the shot and uh, yeah, got the, got the the follow up free throw. Um, so anyway, Glenn, uh, this was uh, I was watching this show that I watch all the time. It's called Sunflower Journeys, and it's all about things that are happening in kansas mm-hmm. you know just a lot and a lot of times it's very mundane stuff. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't, you know i never envisioned myself watching a, a show about a a tulip farmer in western kansas but anyway uh there's some stuff on there like that Sure, but then there's like there's some historical stuff, yeah, and it's a notable Kansas stuff that I that I didn't even know myself. I grew up here and everything like that, and I didn't even know this other stuff. But anyway, this is one of those stories that was really cool. So as a musician, um, I had always seen these amplifiers, and they're called custom amplifiers. And the thing that you remember about these amplifiers is that they're covered in this bright colored um, plastic, you know. Just this guard. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's like this real thick, like plastic, ultra bright blue yeah. uh, covering. So a lot of times you see amplifiers, and they're 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 just have like a real thin, you know, black grippy yeah. kind of material on this. These were very distinctive looking, and so they really stuck out. And I never knew too much about these amplifiers, but I'd see them in music stores, um, and you know, I'd check them out for once in a while. But they just look, they always look so 70s to me and everything like that. I just didn't ever seem very cool, you know, at the time or anything. And I, so yeah. I didn't think very much of it. But it turns out the guy that actually invented these amplifiers was from Kansas. And uh, hmm. his name was Mr. Charles A. quote unquote Bud Ross. And uh, so he apparently, Mr. Ross. Uh, he was a young man. He had been playing in a band before, but he knew he had to, it was like early 20s. He, had, he needed to figure out a career. And he looked around and he, he kind of, he, he identified that in amplifiers, they use vacuum tubes, you know, thinner amplifiers, Marshall amplifiers, these, these old transistors called vacuum tubes. Tube and and he, he knew that the technology was moving to solid state, which is easier to manufacture. It's more reliable. It's cheaper. It's, cheaper, it's better in a lot of different ways. And so he, he recognized this, and he was one of the early people that recognized it as an opportunity to get into the ant-making business. So he approached a company that did electronics, pitched the idea, and they said, yeah, sure. We'll do that. We'll put it on our product map. Come work for us, and we'll get started. So he has to go out and start selling products in the meantime. And he's going around the country selling garage door openers, right? <laughs> he wanted to get in the ant business, and he's out door-to-door selling garage door openers. Uh, one day he makes this big sale. Calls into the company and says, "Hey, calls in the the owner of the company and says, hey, I just made this huge sale. You know, we're gonna this is we're gonna make a ton of money off this. You know, and the owner says, I, we can't do that. It's too big. We we can't do that sale. And so you're gonna have to cancel it. So he gets he gets ticked about it. And he said, okay, well, what about this amplifier thing that I've been telling you about for the last several months? And the guy says, yeah, we I don't know if we're gonna get around to it. You know, we just got a lot of stuff going on right now. It's gonna be hard. 
And so he right on the spot, uh, Bud Ross quits that day. Rage quits. Tells him immediately, will you consider this my resignation? And the best part about this is that uh, he says, I'm going to I'm gonna go build these amplifiers myself. And the guy laughs at him. And he says, you don't even know what a transistor is. And he says, I don't know now, but I'm going to figure it out. And he hangs up on him. <laughs> anyway, he goes off and he builds prototypes. He starts figuring it out. He builds, he builds th- three prototypes. Um, and he ends up selling them uh, on the spot to Conway Twitty, who happened to be in Kansas City. Wow. He he found a way to talk to him, and, and he said, you know, I'm building these solid-state amplifiers. And at the time, that was a new technology, so it was really cool. So Conway Twitty gave him a check, bought him right there. Uh, Bud flies out with them to the next uh, show on the on the concert list to see his new amplifiers being used, and all three of them break <laughs> during the show. Uh, so anyway... Uh, Gives him a check back, and Conway Twitty gave him 50 bucks to get uh, a bus ride back home to Kansas from. This was like in Tennessee or something like that. Huh. Uh, so anyway, kind of a cool story. But the point is, uh, Bud built his business, Custom Amplifiers, into a multi-million dollar business. He became a multi-millionaire before he was 30. When he was 27 years old, he was a multi-millionaire off this, this company that he built from scratch without even knowing how to do electronics before wow. he even started. Um, he built it into a behemoth, and some of the bigger bands in the country were using his amplifiers. Um, it was a successful company all the way up into the 80s, and then it, I think it fell into bankruptcy. Uh, a, a lot of times, you know, those music companies like that, Fender ran into some problems in the 80s with stuff. Even like Martin Guitars and stuff. Martin. Com- companies that have been around for 100 years ha- were having problems in the 80s with some, some things. So um, I think he ended up having to sell the company, but I read that he... It's not clear, but I read that he had other inventions that he built up after that, the, the hmm. bankruptcy thing, where he was able to recover and, and do well financially for himself even after this. But I thought that was really cool. I'd always seen these amplifiers before. It was a really cool story that this guy had about being an entrepreneur and uh, being able to figure things out. And uh, he had some really good advice. He said, you know, my advice to somebody that wants to have their own company or something like that is to decide on a path forward, like decide on what you want to do, and then just full steam it don't even look back just go with everything you got towards it and then he's like everything will be all right hmm. so anyway interesting uh mr bud ross i never knew that story i thought it was really cool that's pretty cool they they built all of them in chanute kansas they built a, oh, a no factory kidding. there chanute gave them a like interest-free sixteen thousand dollar loan and they said he said within three months they were making ten thousand dollars a month wow so they were able to pay it back immediately and then build a new factory in chanute where they employed a lot of local people to build the they even talked to an old lady that worked for him for 20 years and learned how to do electronics there. Wow. And she was like, I've had a whole career doing electronics because of learning from wow. doing these. So anyway, kind of a cool story. Kind of a cool little Kansas story. Chinook, Kansas, for those of you that don't know, is a very small little town mm-hmm. in Kansas, which Kansas has a lot of. Um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, that was Mr. Bud Ross's story. And, uh, That's amazing. Good one it was. Yeah. So anyway, um, so yeah, check out custom amplifiers. They're still around. They're the big. They look like the interior of '60s cars. It's, it's, that's really what <laughs> yeah, they, they yeah. what you modeled it after. It's they, they're really bright and in your face, and they really stand out. So you, you probably why they made them that way. You recognize them if you saw them. So anyway, kind of a cool story uh, to Mr. Bud Ross. Mr. Ross. <laughs> it's well, pretty it's weak. Cans are hard. I'll edit the sound to okay. enhance. Okay. Clink. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right, Glenn. Well, that means it's time for the <clears throat> hot button topic. Uh, and this week, Glenn, uh, Facebook is in the news again for all the wrong reasons. 
Looking for love in all the wrong places. This is this is just Facebook. Lust garden uh, love. <laughs> they just they can't do anything without messing things up. So recently, it's come to light that a campaign technology provider named Cambridge Analytica, which is a terrible name, by the way, um, pulled the profile data of. 270,000 app users who gave them permission Mm -hmm. to inspect their profiles on Facebook for data. Filled out surveys, right? The problem was that this company was able to gain access to 50 million of those people's friends' data data without getting any permission. Right. And uh, they were able to collect all this data and then use it uh, to inform... Their campaign, the people that were paying them for a campaign strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, they they used a loophole in Facebook's APIs to get at 50 million people's data. Mm-hmm. And not only did Facebook, they figured this out about yeah. two years ago. Yeah. And instead of subpoenaing this company and saying they 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 need this data back, they can't have it, they can't use it in any way, they tried to cover it up. Basically, yep. they tried to ignore it. And tried to hush like stories about it from coming out, all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, and so once again, Facebook uh, throws your data in the toilet and screwing uh, the pooch. Yeah. So uh, interesting stuff. What do you think about uh, Facebook's latest gaffe? Well, I tell you what, Brian, I'm for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There really is no position on this that's any good. I think yeah. it's um, uh, it's just a. It's just so Facebook's DNA as a company is all about getting as many people to use it mm-hmm. and to get as much information about those people to use it for free mm-hmm. so they can sell that information for ads. Mm-hmm. And in 2010, Zuckerberg had a famous um, quote that basically said, Privacy is dead. Yeah. Private, nobody, what online privacy is dead. Why would you need online privacy? Because. The more we know about you, the more we can help you, the more we can help you find things that you like that you didn't even know you liked because we know all the stuff about you. Um, yeah. Fast yeah. forward a few more years. Now they're building AI. Or they're attempting to build robots that they have to quickly shut down because they don't know what they're doing. Elon Musk is creeped out by them. And, oh, I, there's uh, rumblings that Zuckerberg wants to run for president in 2020. <laughs> so... I have I have issues with the company in general. Um, my beloved, uh, th- there's a web company I've always really liked, but never really used their products called Mozilla. Mm. Um, and I never used their products because they just, up till recently, weren't as good um, as like Google Chrome. They make web browsers, but they came out with a thing recently that basically is a extension that allows you to when you go to Facebook, it opens up a new tab and it keeps all of your data in that tab. Mm. So Facebook only knows about what you do while you're in that tab. Oh, right. When you're it's not. a way to contain all your... Anyway, yeah. <clears throat> I'm rambling on, Brian, but my, the point is this. Wh- why, do we still ha- why do we still use Facebook? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's a good question. Um, one of the things about this that I found really annoying was that... So Facebook had this motto. That was famous. Yep. Is the motto was move fast and break things. Mm-hmm. That was their motto. <sighs> I 
When you are in charge of millions and millions and millions of people's data, and your motto is move fast and break things, mm-hmm. does that strike you as irresponsible? Very much so. I. That's a great motto for a tech company that is trying to disrupt some industry that doesn't have millions and millions and millions. They're not the guardians of the world's data. Right. Um, but they changed it in 2014, which was only four years ago, to move fast with stable infrastructure, mm-hmm. which is a terrible... I don't even know what that... I mean, anyway, point is, like, um, I was surprised about the the, the, the article that we, we read about this, which I, I will link up on podcast.gentleman.com. They go through all the past stuff that Facebook's messed up. Tons. I was surprised about how much. Like, there was stuff I never even heard about that they messed up. I mean, it was insane. Basically, everything that they've done has been a huge mistake. (laughs) It's it's been a massive mistake. Um, Too big to fail. You know, I will say that they have a hard problem. They they have this big behemoth platform platform. And so they have the world's problems on their platform to deal with. Yes. But anybody that's ever seen Zuckerberg's attempt to talk, attempt to do anything, you realize this guy's out of his depth. I mean, God bless him. He's over skis. I would be too. Yeah. I know. I mean, it would be very difficult to do that job. Yeah. But you just don't feel very comfortable with this dude being in charge of this big thing it just doesn't seem you know like a good idea no and i mean i think they've shown that over and over and over again they can't get this right i I mean they've been amazing at being able to sustain themselves through all the i mean you know i i I, to me it seems like facebook is a website that should have grown and died out you know it it yeah it should have, but it hasn't because the user base has evolved over time. Like, yeah, it's no longer the young hip kids. Now it's you know people, Your grandparents, grandparents, or you know middle aged people, or yeah, people who have kids who are, right. or the people who have spent ten years on the platform and just can't give up the memories. And you know, I think like, that's a lot of it. You get invested in it. You, you, absolutely, yeah. it's it's an emotional investment that you've created. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, I haven't created that investment. I should delete my account. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah. If I'm honest, I I don't know if I will. I, I haven't used it in five years. Yeah, I don't think I honestly don't think Facebook knows very much about me because I just don't. Yeah, I don't even use it. I don't even yeah. interact with it at all. So um, I but, do like Instagram and Facebook owns Instagram. So there's that. There is that, um, and that's probably one of the smartest things I've ever done. Yeah, is buy Instagram because yeah. they run Instagram ads that it's the same mm-hmm. ad platform as Facebook yep. and they use the same targeting and everything. But at the end of the day. You, you really do get what you pay for, right? So, like, yeah. at the end of the day, something's got to give. They've got to make money somehow. Google, a lot of their products are free, has to make money somehow. Yep. And they do the same thing. Yeah. They sell your data. Twitter, to some extent. Well, they don't leak your data. 50 million that, that, that user is true. data. Let's not. To... I'm painting with the wide brush here. Yeah. But the, the, the whole give something away for free and make up for it on the back end by getting data um, and selling that data is... Is a business model I think people are getting tired of. Yeah, I know I'm getting tired of it. It, it is kind of, <clears throat> it is kind of too bad that people expect to get something for free, mm-hmm. and then they're suddenly outraged when, right? You know, it's like somewhere you got to pay for it. 
Right. You're either paying with your information or you're paying for it with money. So would you rather pay for it? I mean, I think we see sometimes a lot. There's there's a there's a market out there for people that will pay for platforms, you know, uh, for, for, for the privacy side of it. So that they know they're not getting their data. I think a lot of people, I think it's an evolving thing because this all happened while the internet was growing. Yes. And so people that were new to the internet, like, oh, free email client, Gmail, this is great. Yeah. And they never even give a thought any day, any minute of any day to the fact that Google knows all of your personal communications with everybody that you've ever communicated with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you're, they're, they're crunching some stuff on the back end of, to, you know, to learn a lot about you. I mean, how much can you learn from people's emails? A lot. <laughs> a lot. Oh my gosh. Well, but, but once people started having smartphones with apps, that's mm-hmm. when it re- the data thing really got scary yeah. and took off because location, location, yeah. I mean, the, 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 all sorts of things. Plus, plus Facebook recently came out and said, yeah, we have been recording Android users, uh, phone calls and synthesizing the data and then showing them ads based on that data. I had a friend, uh, this is an anecdote, but I had a friend who had a phone call with somebody, Facebook app on his phone, had a phone call with somebody, mentioned a very specific product. And like the next time he logged on to Facebook, it was the ad for that product. Yeah. And it's just, it's just creepy as hell. Like you can't. So uh, Zuckerberg's going to go testify in front of Congress. Yes. I feel like, look, I will volunteer <laughs> us to go to Congress and match wits with Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> look, both of us have a social network yep. that's huge. Yep. Um, and we're not selling any data to anybody. Please, somebody yeah. buy the data. If somebody would offer us a couple bucks, maybe. But <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is simple. Mm-hmm. We just have to go to Zuck. And be like, look, here's how you do this. We've got it mm-hmm. all figured out. We've got the whole thing locked down. All you have to do is create a social network that doesn't make any money. <laughs> and, then you, and then you don't have to worry about it. Look, it's really simple. Yeah, Zuck, you just finance it yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, don't try to make any money, and then uh, it'll be fine. Yeah, this is the unfortunate side of going public with a company, is that yeah. now you are under the scrutiny of Congress, and, you know... Well, you got Congress, and you got your board of directors, and the investors, they're all looking for growth, and why isn't Facebook growing? It's shrinking, because it's an old, clunky thing that no one... It made sense 10 years ago, it doesn't make sense anymore. So this is, we we could go on for an hour on this. I mean, we talked about it a lot before we started the podcast. Well, yeah, we talked a lot about it. But the other thing about this too that overlaps with I think something we were talking about a couple of weeks ago is it, it's one of those things too where somebody's trying to be everything, all things to all people mm-hmm. for the growth side of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. They they want to have businesses on there. They want to have you know grandmothers on there. They want to have teenagers on there. They want to have you want to sell things on there. You want to they want to be know, like Snapchat. They, yeah, they want to steal all Snapchat's features and mm-hmm. you know buy six different companies and integrate them into. It's like what happened to just doing the one thing and doing it really well. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think that's the that's what it all comes down to is when you start losing sight of that, you start trying to be all things to all people. And you've told me about this before that you know you start getting further and further away to the reason why people started going to you in the first place. Right. So I don't know. Got it all figured. I, I, I'll go to Congress. <laughs> Mr. Mr. McKinney goes to Congress. <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I feel like he's going to be pretty sweaty. I, I read something recently, actually uh, just today about how Facebook is, 
spending a lot of money on lobbyists. Um, just recently, they just started to buy. I mean, it's just a. <clears throat> So it's such a weird world we live in. It is weird. I don't know. These with Mark Zuckerberg going to testify in front of Congress, it just seems so strange. Um, but I mean, the more and more stuff like this ha- kind of brought it on themselves. I mean, the more they stuff did. like this that happens, the more people are like people are gonna be wanting to investigate what the heck's going on with these companies. Yeah, uh, they have very little oversight now. And I mean, if they're in charge of that many people's data, they're collecting all that data, and they're not protecting that data. Somebody's got to step in and stop it. So, um, I don't know. And that somebody is me and Glenn. That's right. Stay we tuned. Could, we could be the Facebook police. <laughs> it's like when Elvis goes to Richard Nixon and wants mm-hmm. to be the FBI and gets a badge. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Facebook. Zuckerberg. Uh, gosh. That would be amazing. Okay, well, anyway, Glenn. Uh, well, we'll see what happens with this whole thing. I, I you know like I said I don't really have a I don't really have a hound in this fight because I stopped using Facebook like five years ago. Yeah, as soon as we built Gentleman, I was like, well, we just I mean, we have our own social network. I mean, why why use a second rate social? Yeah, why when you can have this thing that you know a fully realized, yeah, beautiful, completely perfect. See, I just sell my own data. From- <laughs> <laughs> you bring up if you sh- want to advertise to me. Here's my <laughs> yeah. I like guitars show- and <laughs> pizza. Oh, your guitar pizza shop. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, we still have the Facebook login that we're still trying to get rid of. After after me, the deluge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, anyway. Oh, the mighty fall, Brian. They do. They do. They you fall know hard. what? Don't, you know, we keep looking around. We're still here, Brian. That's right. That's right. We're, like we're not testifying. We're like cockroaches. That's we're right. Gonna, <laughs> we're going to be around forever. Can't get rid of us. Yep. Hard as you try. Uh, anyway, Glenn. Okay. Well, uh, that means it's time for the final segment of the Gentleman Podcast, which is the questions from the Gentleman Mailbag. And uh, Glenn, this this we we started off last podcast uh, all excited about hope sprung eternal because mm. it was March Madness time. You know, time to th- get things going. We we're gonna go. We we're gonna go to Henry T's. Nothing had happened yet. No carnage on anybody's brackets. We were so young. I was, the first game, I was like, my bracket's perfect. My bracket's perfect. So wide-eyed. And- <laughs> yeah. I always had that hope. Yeah. I always had that hope that this year, I finally got the bracket thing figured out. Mm. I used the right methodology. And it turns out that I did not use the right methodology. <laughs> um, I, Brad and I have a gentleman's wager over a plate of wings. Yes. And I have no idea who's going to win this. I don't know. I mean, my bracket is just... Mostly red. Yeah. I I think... I don't know how many games I've gotten right. Not many. I don't, I don't think... I don't have any teams in the Final Four. Uh, so, anyway, the point is, Glenn, the, the question is, uh, what was the biggest mistake you made on your... Like, what was the stupidest... In hindsight, what was the worst call you made in, in the bracket? <laughs> well, Brian, it's easy. It's, it's really easy. Oh, really? Um, typically... Here's how my bracket looks. It goes, you know, I take the number one seeds. I have an advance at least two games probably, you know, because that's pretty pretty consistent with data over the years, right? First two, you know, first two two games, I usually have the one seeds win. Yeah. <clears throat> and then I take my beloved Jayhawks and automatically place them in the championship game <laughs> and um, winning championship yeah. game, obviously. Yeah. 
And every year that backfires on me. So right. I thought this year I would do something novel and have KU out after the Sweet 16. I think the Sweet 16 is what you picked. Yeah. And lo and behold, I find my Jayhawks in the final <laughs> four. And backfired on you. God. Uh, I might, you might have to do that next year. I guess I it, will. Maybe yeah. that's the secret. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a shrewd move on your part. I did too. I, thought... I, I, I make up a lot of ground. <laughs> you that. make a lot of hay yeah. on me. Put you got to make a lot of hay when <laughs> it's uh, coming around, you know? And, you know, it's totally backfired on me again. I actually have, I think I have another, maybe I have a Final Four team. I can't remember. If that's the case, then you... you most likely have one. I thought one. I might have Michigan. But, I mean, Virginia out, first round, historic, historic loss. I bet you do have Michigan, actually. That seems like a pick you'd make. Cause they, hey, they, hey they what's had, that supposed to mean? They, they had to beat North Carolina and then probably Gonzaga. Actually, I think I have North Carolina. Oh, do you? Yeah. yeah. So anyway. Gosh. That's why I say is It seems like a pick. Because it doesn't right, seem right, like you right. ever trust Gonzaga. I don't and, trust Gonzaga. And, and I have like, them losing early. And it seems like you pick against you and this is how this is how well we know each other brian <laughs> you know my bracket before i fill it out uh, it's true friendship uh so so your biggest what was your biggest mistake then you think not put not, not pencil and ku in the championship game that's the biggest one you made that's huge brian well it, it's it's it could seal me the wings okay. all right so i would say my i'm looking i'm looking over my list here and it hasn't been updated because i haven't had a chance to check as soon as it goes to crap. And everything goes to crap. You just stop. <laughs> just throw it away. You're just like, ah, I don't even want to. But anyway, I would say that one of two things. First of all, my K-State Wildcats. Mm. I picked them to uh, go to the Elite Eight, and I was correct about that. That was a savvy move. But at the time, it seemed ludicrous that when I was making the picks. And the, my, the, my methodology, I explained it to you, was very simple. I The first two rounds, or the first round, I picked... The seed that should win. And then if it was like a 60-70 game, so like one team's favored 60%, the other team's favored 40%, or yep. it's like 70-30 or something like that. If it was close enough, there was a question, flip a coin. Yeah. Okay. So you so actually kind of, flipped a coin. I flipped a coin. Wow. And so with K-State, I think I put them into the 16, and then I flipped for the 8, and then I flipped again for the 4, and it said it going to the 4, final 4, uh, K-State. And uh, I was like, I just don't see them going to the 4. I just could not see this happening. <laughs> Who would? And it, Dang near happened. It didn't happen, but it, da- it damn near did. Uh, so that that wasn't. The, I mean, I actually picked them correctly, so that wasn't that big of a mistake. But I made two pretty huge gaffes here. <clears throat> Some might say three gaffes. I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna do like three. I think. Um, I think yeah. I would say so. I picked Tennessee to go to the Final Four. Mm. They played Iowa State. They beat the crap out of Iowa State. Yes. Um, that was the only time I really saw them play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I they didn't have a lot to go on. Just that one. We know Rick Barnes. We know yeah. he's a solid coach. Big 12. Former um, Big 12 coach. Yeah. We, we know. Uh, we, we, I, I just thought. I looked at it and I was like, you know, they're going to have to play K-State in the Elite Eight. They go on to the Final Four. You know, why not? Uh, so that was a pretty big mistake. Um, but picking UNC to win the national championship. Uh, UNC Roy, bowed Roy, out. Roy, Roy, Roy. <laughs> UNC bowed out relatively early. Yeah, they've been the last couple of years. That's where I've been able to make my yeah. So Glenn will pick KU over, over I'll North, pick Carolina. North Carolina. Inevitably, and, KU's a one seed and North Carolina's a two seed in the same region. And and North Carolina will find a way to get there to get it done. Even if they don't win the national championship, they're in the final four. <laughs> that's well, hang on. So that's not entirely accurate. They're 100 percent of the time. They're there 50 percent. <laughs> 
<clears throat> but probably probably one of my biggest ones is the Michigan State. I picked Michigan State to go to the national championship game. I saw them play several times, and mm. I believed in Tom Izzo. Why wouldn't you? He has a track record that yes. you think. You never learn the lesson that you can't. It, it's called March Madness for a reason. You can never predict what's going to happen. And so what's going to happen is next year you're going to pick KU to go to the Final Four. I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick against UNC because right. they let me down this time. And then K- or K- yeah. KU's out first round. Yeah. And then I'm a host. Yeah. So it's just it's, it's possible. But I would say Michigan State or maybe the UNC to win the national championship. Those are the. I, I, I want to revise my answer a little bit. Uh, I'm remembering some things right uh-huh. now. <laughs> so, um, back so, to you so, now. So, so typically I said, you know, I, I pencil in KU and then work backwards. Yeah. I didn't do that this year. Um, but you know I had in my ch- championship game, Brian? Mm-mm. Virginia. The overall number one seed. <laughs> Winning. Winning? Winning it all. Whoa. So it, the, the, the door is wide open. Wow. That's an interesting choice. Is it? Yeah. The one, number one overall seed? Well, that's true. I mean, you, I mean, it's not. They lost like two games all year. I and know, was, and their defense was, you know, stout. Yeah. But they ran into a an upstart uh, U UMKC. No, UM, UAB UMBC. The, UMBC. the retrievers. You might be Cinderella. Is what yeah, I said it for yeah. exactly. Um, yeah, I. You know, the shame about all this stuff is that I never have time to watch. But I've only I've only seen six of these teams play. Oh, know? throughout the regular season. Yeah, yeah. So there's no, I mean, you don't, like, maybe if I had seen, you know, well, Buffalo play before, or Loyola Chicago, or UMBC, or any teams that you've never seen before, maybe I'd be able to make a guess. I follow the Missouri Valley Conference really closely. I bet and, you do. And uh, I had a good feeling about Loyola. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I didn't, I did who knew? The other crazy thing about March Madness is the teams that go out, um, then, then the coaching, people get fired. Yep. And then people get hired. Yep. And so we're seeing Xavier's current coach yep. being hired as Louisville. Louisville's which is an interesting move. Yeah. Uh you know, Xavier I didn't realize this, but Xavier's had successful head coaches last the last five. Thad Mata used to coach Thad at Xavier. Mata? Yep. I thought you said that Skip Prosser guy, I think was the guy that got started, but they've just always hired an assistant. Yeah. Um and it's been successful for him. But what they were saying was interesting about that one was that uh now Xavier's in the Big East, and mm. they used to be in the Atlantic Ten. And before that, they were in some other conference that really right. wasn't a super strong conference. So it's like, what? Do you, what do you do then? Do you try to get the big name coach to come to Xavier, or do you try to, or do you hire Bill Murray's son? Yeah, could be. Come on, yeah, that would be, be awesome. That would be cool. So uh, yeah, or do you just hire Bill Murray? I would just hire Bill Murray. At that That's point. what I would do. I think Have fans his, would love that. Keep his son assistant coach. He yeah. goes to all the games. Yeah. What else is he going to do? Yeah, exactly. We're sailing! <laughs> sailing! So anyway, Glenn. Well, okay, so, yeah, I would say... That I would, I'm going to go with Michigan State being my biggest downfall. In this oh. I think I think my, my, mine will be forever. That's probably my biggest mistake ever is picking the number one overall seed and watching them lose first round. I didn't realize you picked Virginia. That was... That's an, that's an unfortunate... I mean, their head coach's name is Tony Bennett. They just... Yeah, it makes you makes you want to root for him. It really does. Mm-hmm. Classy guy. Yeah, I I am. I think I told this to you at the time. I'm just glad that it wasn't Ku losing as a one seed in the first round. Um, and yeah, break, making history. Making history. I do think about that though. The 16-1 thing. I think we're going to see that more. Sure. Now. Once it's done, once people start. You know, it's that whole thing about they believe they be- four minute mile. Yeah. Yep. 
Oh. Once that barrier's broken, it'll start happening, you know? Uh, but man, looking back on it, that Virginia one kind of makes sense because it's like they're a defense, like they, they're a low-scoring defensive team that if they get down in a game, they, they're going to have a hard time, you know? Well, and the other team just shot lights yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. But that's the thing. It's like you could see some yeah. upstart team shooting lights out. I, I would have never thought that, but, you know, yeah. looking back on it, it's like, kind of makes sense. So. Makes total sense. It's the madness. It is the madness. Man, you are one pathetic loser. <laughs> I was thinking about that before. <laughs> no offense. Oh, none taken. None taken. Virginia? <laughs> you are one pathetic loser. Ah, uh, well, anyway. Okay, Glenn. Well... Better luck next time. Better luck next year. Hopefully, um... Hang on. I still might win. I think you probably did. I, I Really? I don't have anybody in the Final Four. I think I might have Michigan, but it might be Michigan State, mm. which... Who knows? Well, we're going to have to get the bomb this, but, uh... Brian usually wins, one way or the other. Yeah, one way... If I, usually, it's the KU-UNC difference. <laughs> and it might be that again, because I didn't pick true. them to go far. It's true. Ugh. Anyway. Uh, one in Glenn. Um... Okay, well, we'll have to verify our brackets after everything's all said and done. <laughs> and, uh, anyway. Okay, Glenn. Well, that is the end of the episode. We have figured out our biggest humiliating mistakes from March Madness. This year. Um, we ha- yeah, this year. <laughs> we have uh, talked about some music posts from digital.com, talked about some Kansas history, mm. and debated Facebook. And sampled the Lust Garden. The Lust, we've, the been, Lust Garden. we've been in the Lust Garden. We've been hanging out in the Lust Garden and uh Gartin. Come on in, the weather's fine. Lust Gartin. <laughs> uh, okay, Glenn. Well uh yeah, we're gonna uh we're gonna enjoy the rest of these uh, raspberry beers <laughs> and uh call it night. Um but anyway, that means it's the end of the show. Mm-hmm. That's the end of episode one thirty three. I'm Brian McKinney. I'm Glenn Sansbury. Uh we'll see you guys in a couple weeks for episode number one thirty four. Bon voyage. <laughs>